Hi there, my name is Bruno Castillo. My name is Ariana Quintero, and I'm a senior. Hi, my name is Modesty Mack, and I'm a senior. Hi. My name is Jalen Evans, and I'm a senior. Nice. My name is Angelus McCourty, and I'm a friend, uh, freshman. All right. Nice. nice to meet you guys. Thank you. You are listening to AllTheBomb.com, a podcast from Bronx High School for the Visual Arts. All of us in the podcast club here listen to a true story from the Houses on the Moon podcast called Zudata with a capital Z about the family experience of incarceration across three generations. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should because it's amazing. And we're going to talk to Zudata today about her story. Okay, so my name is Modesty. Um, Judea Rivera is the mother of two sons and the daughter of a lifer. She's the first to graduate college in her family. Congratulations. She works for the Osborne Association, helping formerly incarcerated citizens reintegrate into society through job training and work opportunities. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we have a few questions for you. Um, How is it being a mom? It's a blessing. It's a real blessing to be a mom. I feel like that's that's actually my real purpose in life. Hmm. Yes. I feel like um, I had my children and after I had them, nothing else mattered but trying to break all of the generational curses just so that mm-hmm. my family line can um, not have the type of life that I had. Hmm. So being a mom is a real blessing and I feel like it is a great responsibility to be a mom. A great responsibility, meaning great as big and also great as great, like a beautiful, wonderful thing. How would you describe your day as someone who helps incarcerated citizens and what inspired your career choice? So my title is program assistant. So that means that I am the assistant to the director. So basically, I'm doing more like the clerical, the secretarial stuff, the auditing, like the accounting and stuff like that. But my job doesn't stop there because I also am the the face of the company when the returning citizens are coming in. Now, there are a lot of different emotions that come into me as a person who has been you know, directly affected by mass incarceration. When I see someone come in, the first thing I tell them is welcome, welcome home, because they finally did their time. It's over. And now they're coming to me to get help. So when they come in, I, you know, I feel a different type of different types of emotion because it's sad. It's sad to see them. They're coming in whatever they got locked up in, or whatever clothes they can find. And so they're basically coming to us very, very humble because now they need clothes, they need shoes, they need maybe medical attention, they need social services. So, you know, it's been rough for them. No matter what happened, no matter what they did, my job is to make sure that they know that they did their time, that is the past, and now let's help you get your life started so you can reintegrate into society, go back to your family, And, you know, just give you everything you need. Oh, so my name is Ariana Quintero. And I was going to say, like, how did, like, you know, like your family react to you, like being the first to, like, graduate college and, like, moving on with this job and, like, helping others? 
okay, so I have two sides of the family, right? I have mom and dad. So on both sides, I pretty much was the the first to graduate and everything. And some of them weren't really too caring about that. And I, I feel like I'm just like, I wanted to tell you something greater, but I, I can't because the life they had, that wasn't the life that they envisioned for me. I had to say to my grandmother, no, I'm not getting married at 15. I don't care about learning how to cook and iron and do all of that. I'll learn it, but I'm going to college. Like I, I let her know at that age, like, cause she was trying to prepare me for a husband. Cause in her, like her day and age, that's what it was back in the day. I'm going to domesticate you. You're going to be cooking and cleaning. You're going to have a family. And yes, I'm going to have a family. But when I'm ready and, you know, I just had it in my mind that even though I love you all, I'm not going to be like you. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to take my own road and I'm going to try to do better than this. And it wasn't because I wasn't proud of them because they were all intelligent. They just didn't have the education. And I just didn't want to have the life that they had, you know, and I was proud. I'm proud of where I came from. And I was always proud, but it was just this thing in me where it was just like, no. So with that being said, it was just like, okay, you're smart. So with my advice, just to give you guys, there's going to be a lot of people, even in your own family, who are not going to might be like your biggest supporters. And I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm just saying like, you're going to meet people in life and it might be right in your own backyard, but you have to just keep pushing like no matter what, because they don't know what you're capable of. Only you know what you're capable of. Like even your mom and your dad, like don't you do things sometimes, you know, and your family members, whether it's your mom, dad or grandparents, they're like, oh my God, like you totally surprised them because like they didn't know that you were like about that life. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, like, wow you know what is like the biggest lesson that you have learned like maybe within your family or like within your job within yourself that you would want to incorporate with your kids and like teach them as they grow up yeah I'm not the smartest person all of the time Mm -hmm. I I can be humble um I have a few degrees um I've sat down at the table with you know maintenance janitorial and I've also sat at the table with um executives and um everyone is their their own intelligent everyone is their own intellectual you can learn something from anyone what would you say to like you know other like single mothers out there like dealing with like you know this situation of like an incarcerated partner or like you know like just being like a single mother with like great kids like what advice would you give to them focus on your child Mm. Focus on your child because the child is more important and um, that person is on their own journey and whether it was their fault or not, or whether it was society, they have to deal with their own path. If you want to be supportive, be supportive, but don't lose what's in front of your face. Don't lose yourself either. You know, and if you know, and if they want to support that, you know, of course, because I'm all for supporting the incarcerated individual. But if she's a single mom, her priority is her child. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Jalen. Um, does it affect you reala- realizing that your kid is growing up without a dad like you did? Well, I, I have two children. 
I have a 20. Yeah, the story only speaks about one, but there's more oh. big like there's a <laughs> there's a more to come. <laughs> 26 year old whose oh, wow. dad faced um, 13 years in prison. And my little one, I call him my little one, but he's 14. And um, his dad faced about five or six years. And my dad, of course, was a 30 plus. And um, the question was, how does it feel for me or how does it feel for him? I'm sorry. I kind of. Um, does it affect you realizing that your kid is growing up without a dad like you did? It does because um, I felt like I did everything. Like, oh, my God, I went I like I went to school and I didn't even meet the fathers of my children in a place mm. where you think, oh, you know, like danger, like he's going to get incarcerated one day. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't always work like that. Um, my, the first dad, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. I was with him for 14 years. I was in a committed relationship with my, with my son's father. And, you know, he broke his legs in a motorcycle accident. Wow. He was going to play college football for Nebraska wow. and he just got depressed. And, you know, he was in, you know, he started hanging out in the streets and I guess that's the, the road that he took. And I was going to college for criminal justice. So I was like, this isn't going to work, you know? And so when he got incarcerated, it affected me because now I had to raise my son by myself. And now my son has to visit his dad in a prison just the way I did and deal with not having a dad for like 13 years. So, yeah, it's really hard because when I look at my son and he looks at me, he doesn't see a man. He sees a woman. So there are so many things that he feels like I'm not going to understand, you know, and the same for my youngest. So it did affect me, but it, it when it affected me, it also trickled and affected him as well because they feel everything that we go through. And then sometimes because I'm human, I wasn't allowed mentally to see what he was really going through. Like then there were times where I had to stop and say, OK, wait a minute, like how are you? You know, how are you doing? And mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's, it's rough. It's pretty rough. Thank you. How does it feel living in a one parent household? It actually feels normal. Oh, wow. It feels normal because I didn't have a dad and I didn't have a mom. Right. And um, I already knew that I would have, my children without my gram without their their grandma which is my mom and so it feels normal because i'm mom and i'm gonna be there do i complain like oh my god like i got all these bills to myself and this and that and whatever yes <laughs> it's a lot it's very hard but as long as i have my sons i feel complete so i have another question and i was gonna say like you know like dealing with like a lot on your plate do you ever feel like you know unmotivated sometimes and like how do you like get yourself back since i was four years old i used to sing in a choir i always sang that was the way to express myself the creativity that i have i used it to express myself so it was a, it was an outlet i i always kept a journal since since a kid i always kept a journal so and and because i used to write my dad letters and i used to have to be so descriptive of what was going on on the outside so i was trying to bring him the outside you know because i couldn't bring him out so i used to try to make a vivid picture for him so he could mm -hmm. see everything so those were my outlets just singing you know writing you know acting things like that 
it kept me motivated. I would plan. I would do my like five little goals for my life. And that's how I made it this far, you know, just like writing things down and making sure that I manifested it with every, every word because I wrote it. So it's going to happen. You know, it works. Heiser did it. Heiser did it. This is Jeff, Hi. one of the advisors, one of the teaching artists of the podcast club at Bronx High School for the Visual Arts. And um, I'd like to know, how did you, when you were a child, how did you learn that your dad um, was was uh, incarcerated? Well, they kept it from me for a very long time, but I found out the day that I was going to visit him for the first time. My grandmother was letting me know that she was taking me on this like um, this bus that in Newark, New Jersey, this joint connection bus that they used to charter for people to visit their you know family members in Trenton State Prison. And um, that I that day I was going to see my father for the first time. And I was like four years old. So I really didn't know what jail was. I really didn't know that he couldn't come home. I didn't know any of that. I just was so excited because like, oh my God, like I haven't seen this guy in so long. Like, where has he been? So, you know, that type of like joy, like, oh my God, it's my father, you know, happiness. You know how kids are when they see their parents, they jump up and they run to them, you know? So I was, I was happy, but that's how I found out. Like six o'clock in the morning, getting ready for this bus ride. And did they explain to you where you were going and, and maybe why he was there? Not at that moment. Not at that time. My grandmother wasn't really the type to explain things. She was kind of the old school, like children should be seen and not heard. And you're just going to get dressed and you're going to come because I'm telling you we're going even though she was loving, but it was that type of relationship. Like, just get ready, just get dressed, let's go. Like, we'll talk later, you know? So at that moment, I really didn't know what, what I was walking into. I found out after, like, way after, like why he was incarcerated, you know? They kept that quiet for just a little while. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when he was coming out either. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said, you said you had two children, right? Yes, I have two children. Um, uh, um, how did they react when they met their grandfather, um, in incarcerated? Well, I never brought them to see my dad in prison. Oh, oh, in prison. Okay. Yeah. They met my dad when he came out. Oh, wow. Yes. And um, it was pretty awkward. It's really hard when there is someone who has done hard time, almost 40 years, um, when they come out, you know, some people are okay, but he was not okay. And um, I'll be very honest, he was an addict. And in prison, they were able to smuggle drugs and stuff like that, you know into prison and he he used and when he came out he was still an addict and these are the effects of you know like being incarcerated when you come home 
you know, people think that it's going to be like this big, happy family. And it's going to be like, oh, my God, like my dad, you know, he's finally here. Because even I thought that as an adult. And it was very, very rocky. Very rocky to deal with someone who's been incarcerated for so long and couldn't even have a decent conversation because he was a total stranger in front of me. And so my, if I felt like he was a total stranger in front of me, how do you think my kids felt? Yeah. So there was a big disconnection, but they were happy that he was out of prison and they did connect, but just, it's not like a grandpa grandson relationship. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So like, how would you describe like, like being with like, you know, like it being like awkward and stuff. Like, would you, how would you say that like your and your father relationship is now? Well, I don't have a relationship with my dad. I'm very sorry to share that news with you. I wish I could make it like a happy ending, but I do not. Because he decided to continue to use drugs and does not want to get help and doesn't want to be helped. Because I feel like it affects me mentally and I've already been through a lot of stuff. I had to disconnect. Mm -hmm. I will love you from over here with all my heart. And if you if ever need me, I will come. But I have to do my own self-care. I have to take care of me because I have my two kids who depend on me to be whole. And I cannot risk failing them in any way, being depressed or, you know, anything that I feel like is going to affect me. I just have to take a step back from it. And I wish he just never got incarcerated. Things would be different. I really feel like I had a connection with him before he was incarcerated. I love him so much. I remembered him at such a young mm. age. So I really wish that that did not happen because I know for a fact things would be so different today. Yeah. But, you know, it's the, you know, you just got to roll with the punches and, you know, make lemonade and mm. just, <laughs> you just got to keep going. Yeah. <sighs> um, how did you feel being different from your peers in the sense that they had that father figure growing up and you didn't? Oh my God. It was so rough. Just watching the, you know, just what, like, even just after school, just watching kids go with their mom and dad or, you know, having like events and performing and no one was there for me, you know, so it was really, it was really rough, but I never, like, I was, I feel like I was a kid that I was resilient for my, for my age, you know, and I guess I was really blessed in that way because, um, even though I was going through a lot, I just pushed forward. And I think that's the beauty of being a kid because you have your distractions, you know, at, at times you go through things and then it's just like, okay, well, you know, I'll just play with this doll or I'll just, you know, I'll just go and like mess with my sister, you know, make her life miserable for a couple seconds. <laughs> so, you know, you have like different things that keep you occupied as a kid that distract you. So that's how come sometimes, you know, they, you, you know, they think, oh, that's just the kid. You know what I mean? Like, they'll get over it. But it did in the long run. I realized that it did affect me. It was just little things that just kept me distracted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, like, have, did you ever, like, tell your friends about it? Or, like, did you, like, you know, try to keep it secret and, like, you know, move on from it? So I was forbidden to tell the family, mm. the family's business. Like, I wasn't able to tell anyone anything about 
my dad. Um, it was like uh, I had to be ashamed of it and I had to keep quiet about it. And why are they asking me questions about my dad anyway? Why are they being nosy? But, you know, sometimes, you know, I did speak when I had to. Like, they'll ask me, like, where's your dad, you know? And if it was like, if I felt comfortable with that person, you know, kids, they open their big mouth. I would say <laughs> something, you know? <laughs> and um, once I saw their reaction, you know, they treated me like if I was the one, you know, like they didn't treat me like, oh, you know, you're like a criminal, but they made me feel that way. Let me, I'll rephrase it. They made me feel like, oh, like, oh my God, like what kind of father do you have? You know what I mean? So it, that made me go back inside myself also. You know, I was like, well, you know, you asked me, so I told you the truth, you know, but you know, that was just, that's just how people thought, I guess, back then, you know, we, you have some of them that think that way today, but we're a little bit more, you know, open with it now as opposed to the eighties. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, is there some things that like, you know, you have learned now that you wish you knew as a child growing up? There's a lot of things that I wish <laughs> that I, you know, because you don't know anything as a child and you learn as you as you get older. But um, I wish that I knew that the world was really as cold. And I hate to say that. But it, it, I feel like it is. I feel like you're on, you know, you know, you want to grow up and you want to think you have all the, you have, you do have all the opportunity, but you really have to fight out here. You really have to fight out here, you know, especially when you are, you know, brown and tan, when you, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to fight for your place. And, and I thought, you know, when I was a kid, I'll just go to college, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to be on that path. But I faced a lot of discrimination. I faced a lot of, especially like um, I faced, uh, I mean, I just don't even know how to articulate it without. I faced discrimination because I was a woman. I faced discrimination because I was Latina. I faced discrimination because I was poor. It didn't matter if I was educated. I couldn't sit at certain tables. So that's what I mean about the world being so, you know, so cold. And, you know, I did my own little thing. And, you know, after I graduated with my master's, I joined a sisterhood. I'm in a sorority and um, it's a Latina sorority, but we accept everyone. You know, it's just Latina based. Those are the, the founders. They were Latina when they made it and they're Lambda Theta Alpha. And through them, you know, I, I mentor sisters who are coming in. We have a philanthropy. We do fundraising for children, for St. Jude's and stuff like that. So, you know, that networking helped me out a lot. Like, so you have to find when they try to shut the door in your face, you just knock on another door. You know, you just knock on another door. You don't sit there and, and just continue to try to knock that door down. It's not going to work. Just there's another door. Just go over there. <laughs> How do you think um, your kids were affected by having their own fathers incarcerated? The effects are long-term. They are still going through it. My son, who is 26 years old, um, has a very flawed relationship with his dad. Um, his dad also came out of prison affected, um, depressed, and he, he just couldn't bond with my son's name is Marquise, my oldest. He couldn't bond with his son. Like they both had these expectations of what 
a dad should be and what a son should be. And they clashed with those expectations. And I am still trying to mediate between the both of them. You know, so it's it's a long term effect that is going to take patience because that's 13 years without that person. So you're basically you don't even know who I am, you know, like you just and I don't know who you are. Everybody changes. Everybody evolves. Things happen. And when you have that big gap, it's it's really rough. Now, my I call him my little one always. I know he hates that. I'm sorry. My other son, who's Lord, his name is Lord. He is 14 and he has his dad in his life now, but he didn't have his dad from maybe ages, I want to say two to eight or nine. And um, that was also rough for him because that's they were very close. And when he came out of prison, they also had a hard transition because they too messed out on years. And even though the dad was, you know, out at an earlier time, he still had a lot of catching up to do because he has a big family. My son is not his only child. So once he came out of prison, it was like straight to work, you know, have to get this money, have to take care of my family. And so my son was still missing out on time with his dad. And because I was no longer with him, we weren't in the same household. So he couldn't spend as, you know, he couldn't be with his dad every day. So these are also long-term effects that, you know, we're working on still to this day. Is there anything else you want us to know? Is there anything else you want to tell us? Like advice or something? Yeah, something like that. Yes. I just met you guys, and I think you're all the bomb.com. I, I thank you for real, for being interested in my little, little, little life. Thank you. You know, you make me feel really special and honored. But um, I just. want you to do great. Like I want you. I, I don't want no one to ever stop you and tell you you can't do it. I don't want you to be like somewhere thinking that you're not worthy because of your circumstances or because of your finances or because you don't have it or someone told you you can't make it. They don't know. You know. So, you know, I'm sorry for getting emotional, but, you know, this means a lot to me. And um, I love children. And I feel like you guys have the world at your feet and you can take it. You can take anything you want. It's there for you. Just go get it and don't let anything, anyone get in your way and be a leader. You know, sometimes it's hard to be a leader. Don't listen to what, you know, they, your friends may say, or, you know, even your family members, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. You know? So that, I mean, that is my advice to you. And I am so humbled right now, you know, that you even asked me, you know, what would I tell you? And, and thank you. And thank you for all, you know, your questions. I appreciate them very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to, you know, let you know that, you know, you are inspiring and like, you know, your advice to us was really sweet. And I feel like, you know, like since we're all like still learning in our in our learning stages, like we can use that and just know that like we can use your story and just others to like move forward and just be great with that. 
So thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Have a blessed thank one, guys. Bye, kids. Yes. Bye. Have a good day. This has been allthebomb.com. This podcast series is funded by the New York City Council and developed by History Unerased and Houses on the Moon in partnership with the New York City Department of Education. Shout out to the podcast club, Rafa, Amy, Imani, and Regad. And don't forget about Ezekiel, Angelos, and Bruno. And shout out to the podcast club staff members, Jeffrey Love, aka Jeffrey Solomon, Dynamite Mac, aka Dynamac, and Raleigh Rao the Rouster, aka Raleigh Neal. Special thanks to Miss Marino, Miss Gabby, and Principal Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, one more time.